It's Undercover with Emily Adams and Alora Lagarde on VIC Radio Ithaca. Welcome back to Undercovered. I'm Emily Adams. And I'm Alora Lagarde. Thank you guys so much for joining us this Sunday morning. I'm going to apologize in advance for my voice. I am coming down with a little bit of a cold, promise. It's not COVID, but my my little cough is making my throat a little bit scratchy. So forgive me if I'm a little, a little funky sounding today. <laughs> Don't worry. That was me last week. So it, it happens to all of us. You know, uh, the sp- uh, spring weather is coming up right now. The weather's changing, especially up in Ithaca. We had yeah. cold, cold weather, snow even. And now we're starting to get back into like that warm 60 degree weather again. Yeah. My allergies are not, not loving Ithaca's weather changes right now. <laughs> but, you know, we're here, we're persevering. Um, so let's let's jump into it because we have lots to talk about this morning. Um, uh, let's kick it off with a story that just broke. Um, Kevin Durant, who you know most of us have heard of, NBA star, currently playing for the Brooklyn Nets, um, was fined by the NBA, uh, I believe, just yesterday um, for DMs that were leaked. Um, between him and uh, actor and comedian Michael Rappaport. Um, Rappaport posted on Twitter um, a bunch of private messages that he had with uh, Durant, and they were incredibly vulgar and threatening, um, and there were lots of homophobic and misogynistic slurs thrown around. Um, And it's really been a pretty minor story, honestly. Alora, when you mentioned this to me to to talk about on the show this week. I literally hadn't even heard that it had happened yet. Um, and that, and that is what this show is about is stories that are undercovered. And it's pretty, it's pretty horrendous that a story about one of the biggest names in the NBA has been so undercovered. Um, so yeah. No. Um, like, as you said, like when I sent it to you, I was first taken back because I was like, Kevin Durant, what um because all the time when we hear about Kevin Durant or when we actually hear about any NBA player I think we only hear about how progressive they are um what they're doing in their community which is like and we we shouldn't take away from the things the some of the incredible things that they've done however what we forget sometimes is just because they're a celebrity doesn't mean that they don't carry some horrible uh, feelings towards certain communities. And that's what we saw with Kevin Durant with these, with these DMs. And it's just, it's just, it's so disgusting that this, that we, it's so disgusting that so many people because it's Kevin Durant will be like, oh, you know, we can give him a pass because it's Kevin Durant. Like he's still on the nets. Like he probably didn't mean it. Always wanting to give some form of, um, of leeway mm-hmm. for these people. But. Well, and that's the thing is people, people in private and people in public are two completely different things. You know, Kevin Durant are. is and it's, it, it's, it's like the Deshaun Watson situation, you know, obviously that's a lot, lot more serious, but you know, we, we have these athletes who are like America's sweetheart, who everybody loves and everybody loves to watch them play. And that's great. But, you know, these like athletes have spent so much of their lives in the spotlight. They're incredibly media trained. Like they know what not to say in public. And what they say in private and what they do in private, that is the real person. And that's why, you know, I'm not going to pretend Michael Rappaport was totally in the right here. Like he yeah. said some things to Durant, like, like that honestly, frankly, were also incredibly misogynistic. You yes. know, he was saying, oh, you shouldn't be crying. You shouldn't be, you're so sensitive. Like that's stupid and ridiculous and contributes to incredibly toxic culture in sports. But the response from Durant to that says a lot more about his character than it says about Rappaport's. Um, yeah. 
And I'm happy you actually also brought up this topic of private and public people. Um, yes, it was private messages. Yes, I think all of us understand that. However, I want to go back to the initial argument that you're making in stating that the private message is, is who we're seeing as the real person. And athletes from the time that they go into um, college and play sports, they are taught how to portray themselves to the media and their, and their public audience. And that's why I think when seeing this, um, this article and this news come about, it was so shocking because we've only been, Kevin Durant has only been portrayed as being this amazing person who has no flaws. Mm -hmm. And it has come to now, I feel like this is a wake up call and sadly it has taken this long for some people that, but this is a wake up call to address that the people that you know in the public eye doesn't mean that's who they are necessarily to themselves and to other people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think one of the, the most frustrating things here was a lot of the, the responses because Rappaport, you know, leaked these messages on Twitter, mm -hmm. a bunch of screenshots. Um, and if I'm, you know, I'm looking at, you know, some of the most liked replies right now and, you know, there's one with 5.3 thousand likes, hundred retweets that says, KD has moved up two spots on my all-time list just for this. And there's another one with 13.2 thousand likes you, that you thought this would make him us like him less. Like, fans of the NBA and almost exclusively cis-het male fans are, you know, they think this is funny that Durant, like, laid into Michael Rappaport, who was being mean to him, and he, you know didn't mince words and was, you know, a, a big tough guy. And, you know, you know, there was content from Barstool talking about how, oh, how oh. great it was that Durant, <laughs> you know, was, was such a badass and stuck up for himself when like, we're sending this message that it's like cool and tough to like be homophobic. And that's what contributes to so many of the problems with the culture in sports spaces and, and and in male dominated spaces in general honestly you know it's it's one of those things where you know he's using you know queerness and also using femininity to you know degrade someone else and that's like that's so toxic and has so many more implications beyond just like being disrespectful and being rude 100 percent no hunt Emily, I, I, I really couldn't agree more. I think that a lot of times what sports in the United States has taught us is that people have to be in like the, the this quote unquote manliness. And what manliness means is to be misogynistic, homophobic, um, and, and basically per, uh, exude power and dominance and it's so it's it's really messed up because it's honestly just teaching people like one when you're at that level that kd's at at this point you can say things like that and people will agree with you and then what it also shows is that the sports world and realm is going to they they don't feel as though they're going to meet any repercussions for their actions unless someone actually posts about it. Yep. And, and we've seen that so many times. It's just like, how many times do we have to keep on seeing things like that? We see so many times athletes. And like you said, like, I don't want to compare this sort of situation to Deshaun Watson because it, that is the severity of that is just so um, astounding. But we see mul multiple times athletes and uh, just 
DMing people, texting people, like they're like, nothing is ever going to happen. They can say whatever they want. And though it is a private message, yes. The fact that you, that that's your real persona. That's your real personality. Those are your real character traits and how you, and how you perceive a people, a community. That's not right. Well, and And that that, that takes us into, to his apology and I, oh, I don't, say that don't. every air <laughs> quote even apology he <laughs> he said I'm sorry that people saw that language that I used he said that's mm-hmm. not what I want people to see and hear from me but hopefully I can move past it and get back out there on the floor like what? he's not sorry for saying it not at all like that was the thing that really I mean just jumped out at me is he is not sorry he's sorry that he got caught He's sorry they got put online. He does not feel bad about saying it. He doesn't think it was misogynistic. He doesn't think it was homophobic. He 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 did nothing wrong. He doesn't care. And I think that's so telling is that, you know, I, I think especially, you know, with all of the, the social justice movements that have really, you know, built up a lot of steam over the last year, you know, we've seen a lot of people who, you know, have problematic things in their past and that's that's sort of unavoidable you know it's it doesn't make it right it doesn't make it okay but we've we've had the opportunity to see a lot of privileged people have to own their past actions and apologize for them and it's really really telling from someone's apology whether they've actually become better or not and whether they understand the severity of their actions and this is like the textbook example of someone who has no idea why they're in trouble and doesn't care you know um I'm so happy that you brought that up because we don't only just see that with athletes Mm -hmm. we also see that with sports journalists sports reporters um and I don't know for any of you guys who know um, about, well, what's his name? About Rob Letterman, who is, uh, a, I believe, a radio, a sports radio reporter. Yes, he's a and, talk show host in uh, the Buffalo area. So a uh, yes. local guy. Yes. Oh, where do I get started with this? So Rob Letterman wanted to compare well not wanted to he did compare black women to um burnt toast essentially and toast color and went into a whole i'm gonna say like a racist speech oh abs uh, that is the correct term for yeah, it. yeah a racist speech about this um And the way that I'm tying this into Kevin Durant is by going into apologies Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we see so exactly like do they, I don't even think anyone really knows what an apology is anymore because his apology was, I want to sincerely apologize for hurting people with my foolish and ignorant comments uh, yesterday. First of all, um, all racism, racism. They weren't mm-hmm. ignorant. They weren't foolish. He knew what he was saying. He knew exactly what he was saying. That was he a later, bit, and he has clearly said it before. Oh yes, he was a little too comfortable bringing it in. Mm-hmm. He later goes into saying, "I 100% understand why people are justifiably angry. I made a mistake, and it's hard to." then it's hard to look myself in the mirror, but I want to acknowledge it. I apologize from the deepest depths of who I am. See, I don't find, I don't find things like that to be a mistake because you are so comfortable and confident comparing Halle Berry, um, Gail King, Serena Williams to toast and if you would date them, yep. if they were a certain shade of toast. What? How, like, think it's just I didn't even bring that up with sports. That's the first thing. And it's and it's the fact that, you know, when you look at someone like Serena, like 
she the amount of racism that she has dealt with for being such a prominent you know black female athlete has been absurd you know the amount of times that she's been painted as the angry black woman the amount of times that people have said oh she's she's so manly and she looks like you know a man and she's so muscular and like gross and like I mean it's just like yet another thing it's like Serena Williams doesn't care if you think she's attractive like why are you saying it on public radio like I mean, to be able to say, and I think he made the comments on a podcast, but I mean, it's the thing is that this apology is that he, he understands how what he said sounded to others. It's not how it sounded. It's what you said. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's no ownership here of, you know, his own. And and I think this has been a big problem with a lot of apologies. And it's, it's obviously a problem. You apologize for the backlash you face. And and you apologize for that action. You don't take any, any ownership of your privilege and of the, the biases and the internalized hatred that allowed those things to come out of your mouth. Something like that doesn't just like come out of your mouth. And even if he has never, ever talked about black women in that way which I doubt but it's possible but we'll say he's never talked about black women in that way there is a wealth of internalized racism and anti-black bias that you have to have to be able to say something like that and you can't apologize and you can't move on from that without unpacking it and it's the same thing with with Kevin Durant where he clearly has this like deeply rooted misogynistic mindset and this deeply rooted homophobic mindset and neither of these men are doing anything to hold themselves accountable to actually improving just because you're not saying it on the radio anymore doesn't mean that you're improving just because we're not seeing the rest of your private messages doesn't mean that you are a better person and that you are actively attempting to repair the harm that you did to those communities. And I think, I think that's been the most frustrating thing about both of these situations because, and about every situation like this, because we've seen it so many times before. Like I am so tired. We, we just talked about this with, you know, anti-Semitic slurs being used two or three weeks. You know, it's always something. And I just, I'm so frustrated with reading empty apologies and seeing no desire to actually mend the harm. I'm also tired of, cause I agree. I'm tired. I'm exhausted because at the, it's reading these, these so-called, and I use this in quotations, apologies. It's like listening to empty promises and I'm tired now. I don't, because at the end of the day, what I I, honestly, what I want to see is one, yes, taking accountability for your actions, but also I want to see the repercussions you're going to face. Yeah. Let's talk about Yeah. Like, cause I'm I'm getting to a point where I'm just like, one, they feel like they're going to get away. People can get away with doing stuff like this because they're still getting ratings. They're still getting their fan base, all this other stuff. People are still loving them. People are still retweeting them. People are still following them. People are still, um, what's it called? Buying their jerseys. People are going to subscribe. Like people just keep on doing things like that all the time. So it, it shows like, okay, I can say whatever I want and I won't piece anything from that end. But also it shows with these organizations that they're a part of that Nothing is going to seriously happen. And for someone like Kevin Durant, who is a top player, right? Free agent, top player, like everyone wanted him. He went to the Nets instead of my lovable Knicks. Um, <laughs> Even more reason to hate him. Right? <laughs> but I like, I mean, but still, it's like, where, where, where are your consequences? Mm-hmm. And, and look, I mean, I think there's a, a really stark difference between you know, when we compare 
where Letterman stands and where um, Kevin Durant is. Where Kevin Durant is. Yeah. Letterman was fired from the radio station in Buffalo that he worked at. Yes. Uh, I believe the two other hosts who were on the air with him were also fired. I'm not mm-hmm. positive. I don't know if they were fired. I don't know. I'm not sure if they were fired or suspended. But, so I, yeah. I got to check but on they, that. They are, you know, he's going to, he is facing, you know, to some extent, real consequences. He's certainly still going to have a following. I'm sure we're still going to hear him on podcasts. He'll probably start his own and he'll probably have a following there. But, you know, he doesn't have a job where he did, which is a good thing. Yes. You know, the the radio station's parent company apologized um, and things like that, which is is good to see. Like that is consequence. And, you know, people are, you know, always will call cancel culture. But I think in the case of Letterman, you know, he needs to understand the severity. Yeah. And I think firing him was a good was a good start towards some accountability. When we look at Durant, you know, the NBA fined him 50k. What is That's I mean, nothing. He makes millions <laughs> That's every year. Nothing. And I mean, when we look at, you know, Kobe Bryant back years and years ago used, you know, a homophobic slur towards a referee. He was fined 100 grand for that. And that was What's still been? nothing. This was <laughs> I mean just like hateful message after hateful message after hateful message and it shouldn't matter whether it's a dm or not if it's you know hate is hate this is the kind of person that you're holding in your league and that you know he's not steve nash the coach of the nets said that they had a conversation with durant about the language what does that mean what does that look like what is he going to do differently what are the nets going to do like you know there's no for, for someone like that, who is that much of a celebrity, you know, Rob Letterman is fairly well known, you know, but not, you know, of course, he's not, he's not at the same level as KD and the following, not, not even close. He's, he's like local famous. Right. You know and, what I mean? and, we'll, and we see the difference in those repercussions where mm-hmm. Buffalo radio can afford to lose what Rob Letterman and they can, because yes. that is a good, a good look for them to get rid of somebody like that. But for the Nets to lose Durant would be they would be they they can't for the organization that, and so they're not going to do it. They just would not, and you know what? Like, I'm all, I've been saying this a lot with it because you bring up a lot of good points, but I'm also happy you brought up this whole thing about cancel culture, mm-hmm. um, because like yes, like the whole firing, but like. I am not a strong believer in the idea of cancel culture because I feel when people say we're canceling someone, that means that we're erasing them. But I don't want to erase what they have said because I want it to be a learning experience for this. Because, yes, like they shouldn't see to do anything in like journalism realm or athletics. Um. But I don't want to, it to be a race of what people say and what they do, because then I think we're taking away from what the severity of it was. Yep. You know? Yep. And I feel like we've done that for far too long, where we take away what people do and we and it just vaporizes into the air, just like, oh, okay, it happened. Whoosh, vanished. Yep. And but I think we can't be doing that anymore. I think it's worthwhile too to look at, you know, I mentioned the the Myers Leonard situation, his use of um, anti-Semitic slurs on his yes. which we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Um, and the way that that was handled, you know, he was suspended by the Heat. Um, I think they banned him indefinitely from. And he lost a their, lot of money from his sponsors. Yeah, he lost sponsorships. I, I mean, I. And, and I think there too is a difference in what the situation with Leonard and the situation with Durant because Myers Leonard, A, was using slurs in public um, and they were also slurs that we as a society are not comfortable with using. You know, the, the slur that he used, and we talked about this on that episode, 
is not something that you would generally hear in like ever like you, you would have to do some serious research or have heard it from someone before to right. use it but the terms that Kevin Durant used I think almost were I don't want to say I you know I don't want to compare the two obviously yeah but it was disturbing that you know the the terms that he was using are terms that I know I've heard as a woman. I'm sure you've heard as a woman. Mm-hmm. I know I've heard as a queer person, you know, like there are things that we as a society and like, you know, under the sort of like misogynistic patriarchal world of sports, words that we are incredibly comfortable using. And I think that's why the backlash is so different because nobody is shocked to hear the words that he used. People read that and go, oh, I use that all the time. That's I've seen it before. Wanting to that. make an excuse for the behavior. Yep. And I think, and I think that's the thing too, is that if people acknowledge that, you know, the things that Durant said were misogynistic and were homophobic, or if if people acknowledge that Rob Letterman, you know, talking about what skin tones he's comfortable dating is incredibly racist, then people also have to deal with that themselves and they have to look themselves in the mirror. And I think, you know, because so many sports fans are misogynistic and are racist and are homophobic, they're not going to use this moment and go, oh, maybe I should evaluate myself saying these things. They're going to go, oh, a superstar who I look up to is saying these things. So why should I stop? Yeah. I think another thing too that I want to bring up is this trend to fall to respond to hate with more hate. Mm-hmm. Because, like we were saying in the beginning, Rappaport has made some very publicly racist comments towards Durant by telling him to go help the kids in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but uh, Rappaport's just, comments were not okay. Like Rappaport, but is I just don't understand here, why you would respond to hate with more hate. Right. Like that's just one immature <laughs> and two, just like, why would you like, I'm I'm honestly just asking that question. Why? If no, you like like why? And that was the thing I think like I, I also I, I mean I, I think we need to be talking too about the things that Rappaport said because I, I feel like Rappaport published these messages thinking that they made him look good. I think that's felt. what he did too. I think it, that he put things out in public to make himself seem as though he's being he's trying to victimize himself entirely but he's not free from this no because he has made some very racist misogynistic comments as well yeah I I just like it it just isn't like there's so much fault on on all sides and and I think too like that's that's the thing is that and I think this is this is true with Letterman as well that nobody calls these people on the things that they say like instead of Rappaport you know looking at Durant and going oh well that's that's really sexist and that's that's homophobic and like you shouldn't say things like that he responds to him with racism and with more sexism yeah and you know Rob Letterman is on the radio just spewing racism and the, the, you know, the hosts of the podcast that he's on are just sitting back and letting him do it. And I think that's, that's the thing that we need to change if we want there to be real change is that, you know, other white people and other men and other straight people and other cisgender people need to hold their friends and their colleagues and their peers accountable for the things that they say and the ways that they behave, because that is the only way that that they're going to take the things that they say seriously. 
100%. All righty. Well, let's take a short break after that. Um, and when we come back, we will be chatting about Kim Mulkey, uh, Gino Arema, and some interesting things going on in the women's NCAA tournament bubble. BIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Want to help bring a little more love to your campus community? I see Random Acts of Kindness Club meets every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. in the Business School, Room 104. Stop by to socialize, participate in fun events, get creative, and be kind. For more information, please email randomactsofkindnessic at gmail.com. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Planned Parenthood Generation Action is a student activist group that works directly with the Planned Parenthood of the Southern Finger Lakes and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. They are dedicated to keeping Ithaca College conscious of reproductive justice and of legislative attacks on people's bodies regarding healthcare. Their meetings are on Thursdays at 7 p.m. in Friends 207. To join, email icgenerationaction at gmail.com or follow IC Generation Action on Instagram. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Alrighty, we are back from break and let's let's just dive right into this absolute mess uh, that <laughs> happened over the past week. Um, as I'm, I hope that most of our listeners know, um, UConn and Baylor faced off in, you know, one of the best games of the women's NCAA tournament. Oh, amazing. It was, it was a fabulous game. UConn came out on top by like only two points. I think, you know, there was yeah. a controversy. Was it two balance. points or was it a, I, I, it, it was either a point. One. It was I think it was close. a point. Yeah. Um, and they, I mean, they were just back and forth. It was a phenomenal game. Everyone, you know, I, I mean, UConn played incredible. Baylor played incredible. It was an overall great game. It was an amazing game. And then in her post-game press conference, Kim Mulkey had to ruin it by opening her (laughs) mouth. And and, and this is not new for Kim Mulkey, for those who aren't, you know, close followers of women's college basketball. Kim Mulkey, anytime she opens her mouth, you're in for a show. And, I mean, she's been unhinged for a long time. But she in her post-game press conference after the game with UConn unprompted um she said you know to the reporters on the call that she thinks that they the they being the NCAA should stop COVID testing the players for the final four um her team is not in the final four this is not at all um but she thinks that the final four teams shouldn't be COVID tested for the remainder of the tournament because, you know, her rationale was that, you know, if somebody were to test positive, then they wouldn't be able to play in the final four. And wouldn't that just be so sad and, and so unfortunate and it, and it would be, but it would also be pretty sad if they caused a COVID outbreak. So, I mean, I just don't, that on its own was ridiculous enough and it was it was pretty universally condemned people were like Kim what are you talking about um and then Gino Arema who you know is one of the best known coaches in women's college basketball you know he led UConn to 11 national titles during his time there um very very respected in that community Gino backed her up and that that was what really I mean like you expect this kind of thing from Kim Mulkey but, you know, for another coach and a coach who's as prominent as Gino to then sort of endorse that, you know, he didn't say, yes, we shouldn't test people, but he said, you know, I'm okay whether we do or don't test. I mean, it's just, you're, you're just ruining the win that your players have just accomplished and you're ruining the amazing game that you've just played by making your comments the center of the story. And I think that 
you know, obviously the comments themselves are frustrating and we'll get into that, but I was just so frustrated because I wanted to talk about what a cool basketball game it was. Like, I don't want to be sitting here talking about Kim Mulkey and how she's, you know, making ignorant comments about a pandemic. I I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about the incredible basketball that these women played. And we don't get to do that now because they had to open their mouths. And I mean, I'm, I am just so frustrated with this entire situation. And I, I mean, there's, there's just a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. See, I'm frustrated, but I was frustrated at a point of laughing because what I, <laughs> when I heard her say, so you need to just forget the COVID test and let the four teams that are playing in each final four go to battle it out. It like how like I just I just don't understand how ignorant you can be about a, a pandemic that one women were receiving antigen tests not PCR so the tests weren't as accurate that's the first thing the second thing is it's just like you are still in an environment where though you are in a bubble you have people who leave the bubble because they go back home, they do their stuff, they might have to go get gas, they might have to go get food, delivery and stuff like that, like this, it, and come back and they could have carried it mm-hmm. into the bubble. And it, her saying this, it's so disappointing because it's, it's kind of just like, going into the same type of argument or like the same kind of mindset that the NCAA was going into that we don't really have to take this as seriously with testing for the women's tournament as we do with the men like forget like testing the women like we could like let them have fun and I I I I understand that she was trying to go into a point of like Mm -hmm. well we want to we want them to have fun we have to do this and do that but like come on girl read the room don't, well, and, don't say things like that. And and when we look at what Gino said backing her up, you know, he he basically said that her comments were coming from a call that they had with the NCAA's medical staff who, huh. you know, told the coaches after the Sweet 16 that, you know, having been in the bubble for so long and been tested so much, you know, the chances that they would have a positive were pretty remote. Um, uh, that Gino says that's verbatim what they said, that the chances were remote. So if the chances are remote of there being a positive, which I, I mean, I agree with, you know, at this point, they've been in the bubble for a while weeks now. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's not, it's not super likely that someone would, you know, out of the blue test positive, but then why would you stop testing? Like clearly the protocols that you have are working. So why would you put all of your players at risk? You know, like, that's the thing is that for Gino to say this, and you know, his team is still in the tournament. You know, Kim Mulkey's risking the lives of players who don't play for her. And that's, you know, again, mm-hmm. it's still disturbing. But, you know, for Gino, whose team is in it, to say, yeah, I'd be okay if we didn't test them. I mean, he, we, and we were talking about this before this call. Gino had COVID. Mm-hmm. Back at the beginning of the tournament, Gino missed the first two rounds because he was in quarantine. And, like, he knows how serious this can be. And for some reason, we're still not taking it seriously. And I think that, like, you are responsible for the lives and the well-being of, you know, kids who are barely barely legal adults you know Gino's almost Gino's entire team is freshmen they're 18 exactly 19, they're 18 19 years old like you are the adult in the room who is responsible for their safety you know like and for you to just be so flippant about it, it, it I mean it doesn't make sense to me like if you care about these kids and you value them the way that you claim to then you should want everything possible to be done to make sure that they don't get this illness that can cause long-term damage that we really still don't know about yet, you know, that can cause immediate health issues, that can 
be dangerous to their families and to their friends, you know, like, I, I mean, it's just so ridiculous that at, at this point in the tournament, we're still having to have conversations about taking a pandemic seriously. Exactly. It's very, um, well, I'm going to say it's so disappointing. Um, like honestly having to constantly read things like this and what I'm so annoyed about is like, yeah, like you are a coach to these young women who are doing their best and have advocated so much for themselves, mm-hmm. mind you, about the seriousness and the implication, the implications, the health risk of this virus, of this, of th- this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And you want to give such a controversial remark about the severity of this. You basically just said this really, like when it comes to terms of winning, we're not really looking at the health anymore. And though that might not be on how they meant it to be said, it was perceived that way. And that is, I mean, whether, whether that was how they meant it or not, that is what they said. Exactly. That's the thing that, you know, and Gino said that about Kim's comments. He was like, oh, it's unfortunate that it came out the way it did. Well, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that that's unfortunate, but she said that it's unfortunate (laughs) that that's what she thinks is that she thinks that this isn't a big deal. And Kim Mulkey had COVID too. They both did. I I was about to say she did. I mean, and UConn, or not UConn, and Baylor had to pause their season for several weeks because of it. You know, I mean, it, it just, After you've gone through all of this to get to this point, to just throw all of it out the window at the finish line is ridiculous. I mean, it's just absurd. And like, I don't, I just don't understand the impulse, you know? And Gino's saying, oh, well, there've been false positives. So God forbid somebody tests a false positive. The NCAA is checking every positive with a PCR test as well. So if you come back positive on an antigen test, you get a PCR test to confirm it. Exactly. You're not like, there is a lot, a lot of policy in place to make it as possible for players, you know, to, to keep participating. And, and that's still not good enough. Like you still just like, it just, I mean, it blows my mind and it blows my mind that you would now like put your players through this because now they're having to answer for these types of things. And you would put, you know, other coach, you know, Gino's being asked about Kim's comments and he shouldn't have defended them. But, you know, by her saying something so nonsensical, now all the other coaches are being asked about it. And I was going to say, it's taking away from the tournament. Like it's taking away from the basketball. And that's, that's like, that's the problem. I have to have this conversation. I really do. No, it's, you know, we talk about this so many times about how women's sports isn't broadcasted Mm -hmm. or not broadcasted enough. And it's always on the back burner of so many things. And for once, for once, you know, this tournament is, honestly, this tournament is better than the men's tournament because the games are just so suspenseful and like, they're just such good games. And like, you have so, like, you you expected playing, teams to be in, but you didn't expect some teams to be like playing so well. Like I like, we'll go further into like the games uh, later on, but like even with the game with like, um, what was it UConn and Arizona? Like mm-hmm. everyone, I think was expecting UConn to win because like one, it's UConn. Like come on, like it's right. UConn. But it was just like you see Arizona like just like bust out and like said we'll get into that later on. 
because Emily and I have some beef to handle, but it's just so, it's just so um, frustrating on the fact that we are taking this one moment Mm -hmm. away from these women on their achievements and their accomplishments and their game and their sport because we're dealing with ignorant and absurd. And I'm also going to use the word selfish mm-hmm. comments it's like this. Come yeah. on. I think, <clears throat> you know, I think too, like, it's very... I I think we don't talk enough about how disrespectful minimizing the pandemic is, you know, even if, you know, these girls themselves haven't, you know, been seriously personally affected by COVID, which they might have, you know, we don't know, but I mean, hundreds of thousands of people are, are dead because of this virus and because of people like Kim Mulkey who don't take it seriously and who, you know, have continued to allow it to spread. And, you know, by saying, well, let's just throw the testing out the window and wouldn't it be such a shame if, you know, someone tested positive and couldn't play, but wouldn't it be such a shame if someone wasn't tested and gave it to a player on another team who then went home after the tournament and gave it to their parent or their grandparent or like- Or their friend. Right, you know, or like, their roommates, and or just like maybe they go to fill up their gas, or they go to like the supermarket. They can infect a whole group of people. We're like we're disregarding, genuinely, we're disregarding human life because some kids want to play basketball, and that's like, I I, I think the NCAA overall, other than you know the the testing disparity issue, has handled you know, the, you know, managing COVID within the bubble pretty well. I think the tournaments, you know, we haven't seen too many positives, you know, it's, no, they've no, done no. a, they've done a pretty good job with that, but that like, this is one situation where the NCAA is actually doing something right. And you, the want, one. And you want to take that away. Exactly. You know? It's, it's just, just, it's frustrating. It and is. I can, un- I, I, under- I understand the frustration with this because you just want, you know, I wanted one um, problematic thing in sports and there's a lot of problems in sports. There's a lot. Like we just went on a whole tyrant of, uh, before the commercial break about <laughs> some of the problems in sports. But you know, there's always those good moments. And I feel like they've, They've taken away some really, of those good moments, they really you know? Are. And and I think too, like, you know, I think this is not a new thing for women's sports. I think, you know, so often women's sports are are so rooted in, in advocacy and in social justice. And I think that's not a bad thing. I, I mean, obviously that's, that's a great thing. It's, it's great, but like, I but feel I like also, they have so much, they carry so, they I feel like they're, um, it's a burden. Exactly. And it's like, it seems like it's a require. It seems like when you sign that letter of intent, Mm -hmm. that it's like, it's a requirement that you have to advocate. Yeah. And that should, and that like, and and it's great that these women are so passionate and powerful about advocating. It's amazing. Like I will never take that away because I think that if you are on a platform and you want to use that platform for good, so be it, do it. But they so should also like have that, res- they should also just be able to just to have fun and play the, their sport and do what they want to do. And that's the thing is they've spent this whole tournament advocating for themselves. They've spent exactly. this entire tournament fighting for things to be equal and, and challenging the NCAA on their sexism and everything else. And like, as their coaches, it's so irresponsible to put something else on their plate. They don't need that. They don't deserve that. They don't deserve it. 
it's and and they deserve better and and after and I think that was it, the thing too that's that's so frustrating about this UConn Baylor game was that was such a headline game you know that game had more you know social media hits than the the men's games that were played that same night you know that game was enormous it was on national television like people who are not fans of women's basketball were watching that game yep and people who are not fans of women's basketball were watching Kim Mulkey say that we should stop COVID testing kids and and I think that like it's just such a it, it undermines all of the work that your players have done both both in an advocacy sense and in a in a basketball sense you know mm-hmm. you are ruining this opportunity for them and 100% and I think that I mean that is just, that is the thing that that made me so frustrated about these comments because you know we've heard people say ignorant things about covid for a year now the to say it in this setting was just so wrong and you know you can't take it back now you can't apologize you can't. You can't better you took that moment from them and that's always you did and you know what em? i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let her take this moment anymore and any more of our time to be talking about things like that because what we honestly should be talking about right now is, is the, the games is the mat is the matches let's okay let's talk let's about them games our, right let's now let's move into our little fan moment for the week yes once again we're still talking about the women's tournament. Um, it is almost over. So I promise next week you will get something else from us in our fan moment. But oh, yeah. But right now it's it's basketball. Okay? We have it's basketball season for us. <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's chat about, you know, we are we are pre-recording this episode. It is Saturday, um, April. What is it? April 3rd. Uh, so the final four games were played yesterday. Smart. Yeah, we'll be hearing this uh, 10 a.m. on April 4th. So the women's title game is tonight. Please, 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 please tune in if you can. It's going to be so good, guys. It's going to be so, and so we, good. And let me tell you why it's going to be good. Um, I'm, I'm not going to let Emily talk for a minute because I don't want her to rub every, anything into my face right now because I'm going to be really pissed if she wins. <laughs> but... When I tell you that these games yesterday were good, honestly, I'll, I'll first, I'm going to first start with Arizona and Connecticut because Emily and I were talking about this before. We told you guys before that, um, not Connecticut. I don't know why I'm saying that UConn just want to like <laughs> with UConn. Um, we told you before UConn is a young team. They're all first years, right? Uh, fortunately, UConn lost to Arizona. Arizona beat them by a, a ten point margin. Uh, it's Big one. it was it was it was a it was a pretty good game. Arizona definitely looked better. Oh yeah, Arizona's defense. Arizona definitely looked better. That's what I'm saying. They looked better. They were a better yeah. team that day. And yep. I told you guys before that it really depends on who's the better team. That day. It doesn't depend on seeding, guys. Do not let the seeding fool you. Okay. <laughs> and let's and let's talk about too our Ari McDonald last night in the in the Yukon um Arizona game. Ari McDonald is a, a guard for Arizona. She had 26 points. I mean, she she was amazing last mm-hmm. night. Um, and it was it was it was funny. Um I don't know if people have seen the NCAA put out a, a promotional video for the the women's final four and didn't include Arizona in it. Um, it was just UConn, South Carolina, and Stanford. And Arizona said, take a look then, watch us. And I think, you know, I, I also want to give, like, I mean, enormous props to Adia Barnes, who's the head coach um, of Arizona, she, I mean, she coached an incredible game last night. And and what her defense did was, I mean, it was phenomenal. They really, they got under UConn's skin early and they disrupted their offense. And it was, I mean, we were talking about Paige, Paige Buckers last night had what, like 18 points? Yeah. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's good. It's good. good. But like, but, but it's not her, good 
her. It's not yeah. amazing. Exactly. <laughs> they, they kept her under control. And I think, I think the biggest factor too, not, you know, Arizona knew how to play UConn because they knew how to mess with a team that was that young and was that used to being dominant because, you know, and, and Gino said it too in his post-game presser, you know, he said, we have an immature team, which is true. You know, he was like, we, when we're high, we're really, really high. But as soon as we start to struggle, we, we pout and we don't, you know, keep that same energy to bring back. And I think Arizona came into this game with a fire that UConn just like couldn't match. You know, I think, I think they used a lot of that competitive energy up against Baylor, quite frankly. Yeah. They treated that like it was a national championship game and it wasn't, they had two more games to play and they couldn't make it to the second one. And, you know, so I think Arizona, Arizona's coming into this, this championship game as an underdog. Um, And I don't, I don't think they can be counted out. I really don't. You know, they they are not on the same level as Stanford, but on the right day, you never know. I think also because, like, I, I'm, I'm a little upset because UConn lost, but, like, at the same point, I'm, like, pretty excited for Arizona. Yeah. But now I kind of want to go into Stanford and South Carolina because, honestly, I'm – it was a game. It was a game. But honestly, I think Stanford could have done better. Yeah. No, I, if I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be, you know, I, I had more of a blowout before. than I thought it was. Yeah. You know? I, I've said it before on the show. You know, I love Dawn Staley. I, you know, I think she's an incredible coach. I think South Carolina has had a great year. Um, I, I honestly, I didn't think that they would be that competitive with Stanford. And I don't, I want to take away from what they did. But Stanford has not, Stanford hasn't been as dominant throughout this tournament as I, as I picking them to be my national champion as I hoped they would be, you know, they really struggled, you know, in their, in their elite eight matchup with, um, shoot, who did they play? Oh, with Louisville. They, you know, Louisville Louisville led them at the half. They really, I just feel that Stanford, you know, they're not I'm gonna take. I'm gonna right take now. your. I'm gonna take your team down a little bit right now. Um, oh, that's that. because it's, it's just like they won by one point, yeah. dude. Like, yeah. and I mean, it was it was like I feel like their team is all together, but I'm just like I'm ready to see that power. Mm-hmm. Like, had they were were they just like expecting that they were gonna be in the final and that they're gonna blow it? Because I'm hoping to see a freaking good game. Oh yeah, tomorrow. And that meaning like tonight, I guess, <laughs> you know, I, so it's like, yeah, I just, I wonder if, you know, part of, part of me thinks they may have, they may have been cocky, but I would also be surprised if after that Louisville game, they came into that game with an attitude. You know, I think, I think Louisville brought them down to earth a little bit. I think, yeah, I think South Carolina honestly it's just a lot more competitive than people expected you know I think they were able to put together I mean an incredible game last night and it was one it was one missed basket at the end and that was it you know that was that was the difference maker and, and it was a heartbreaker for South Carolina was. it was and you know for for Aaliyah Boston well I know that we both were like I I expected South Carolina to go far But I don't think I didn't expect them to make it to the final four. So honestly, I'm pretty, I'm I'm pretty impressed with them. I agree. I think they had a good standing, and I'm honestly excited to see how what they bring next year. Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm excited for. I think you know, South Carolina. South Carolina should be really proud of themselves. Uh, They they UConn disappointed me like Duke did in 2019. (laughs) So. Uh, but we have <laughs> we are here to have a title game tonight when you're hearing this you know I, I think Stanford the thing with Stanford is that they are I think what I like about them is they're they're very resilient yeah you know, they're they're hard to beat um so I think Arizona has their work cut out for them but if if Ari McDonald can if she brings have it another, like she did, she can have another game yeah. like she had last night. It's Stanford's it's game over. 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 It's gonna happen exactly. 
it's going to be a game. And I hope that Stanford brings it because I want to see a match. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that is all the time we have today. Um, but thank you for hanging out with us this morning. Um, as always, you can follow us on Instagram at Undercovered VIC, on Twitter at Undercovered VIC, or on our YouTube channel by the same name. Uh, we will be back in your ears next week, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning to chat about that week in sports. Um, have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. Thanks for hanging Bye, out. Bye, everyone. <laughs>